Hello everybody and welcome to Tales of Mimindar Q&A with the Dungeon Master. I am your friendly neighborhood Dungeon Master, Jeremy Blackerby, and um, today one of uh, one of my friends decided we should do a Q&A, so we're going to she's going to ask me questions about the uh, campaign and I'm going to answer them. We'll see if I answer them the way that she wants, but we'll see. I think the question is less whether you answer them the way that I want and getting a clue on which questions you'll answer. I am also a player, so I am being sneaky. Mwahaha. I mean, feel free to be sneaky. Mwahaha. <laughs> Will do. Okay, so, Jeremy. Oh, I guess I should introduce myself first. Hi everybody, I'm Emma. Nice to meet you all. I am a player in Jeremy's game, and I'll be asking questions today. So, Jeremy, <laughs> now that you've evil laughed quite a few times, tell me about the world of Emmendar. Okay, so the world of Emmendar started out as all of, well, actually most of the people in this campaign. Uh, we were playing D&D beforehand, and uh, had a lot of fun with it, but the groups were a little too big and unmanageable, so we closed out that session to try and bring into a new session with a lot of things changed several thousands of years in the future from uh, the previous campaign. Imendar is my brainchild. It's a very, like the world itself is very high fantasy and uh, high magic, but uh, the current set of circumstances have brought it down to a much lower magic campaign, uh, namely the Void, the Veil, there are various names depending on who you ask what the name of it is, uh, that is cutting the world off from the other planes and the other sources of magic that it naturally has. A good chunk of the world is still in development, but I've got a, a, I've got the majority of it fleshed out, and it's going to be a rather long campaign with possibly numerous player deaths, so we'll see. Oh boy. I'm scared. And he's silent. Uh, so, to hone in a little more specifically, tell me about the world that, or the section of the world that Thieves' Cant is going to be set in. Okay, so the section of the world that Thieves' Cant is going to be set in is a very human-populated continent, the continent of Roedga. And this continent has three major human settlements. Um, a few demi-human and non-human settlements that are isolated or hidden away. And this is one of the five continents that humans own. And all five of these continents intercommunicate with each other and are more or less on their journey to stamp out the non-humans, which is why most non-humans have prices for things like ears or horns or eyes or wings. But this continent in particular has the three major cities. Then it has a, a keep and a huge mountain range that runs the northern side of the continent, several forested areas, and in the center of several major locations in the campaign, you will find various oddities about the world that humans just seem to walk past and not notice. Dun, dun, dun. Spooky. So, with that being said, then what kind of dangers 
await the players in a world like this, especially the players who have decided to play characters that aren't human. So there's a lot of dangers in this world, particularly bandits are going to get amped up and they're going to be a bit more difficult to fight. Uh, while as guards and such are kind of amped down, but there's a reason for that. Humans obviously are a huge threat to non-humans because non-humans are worth money. So you take a person who lives off of maybe a, a silver a month or a silver a year and offer them two copper, two silver, a gold, depending on what item they bring in, it will turn even the calmest of peasants into a person worth being worried about. But aside from humans, uh, there's a vast number of uh, threats, mainly beings of the void that have kind of given up their aspect of emotion and feeling and to take on this extra power and this sense of belonging and worth. And a lot of these beasts are hostile because they don't have that fear sense that tells them that something's dangerous or the wariness to stay away from humans. They don't have the kindness and caring that they may have had prior to being consumed by the void. Mm. Um, other threats that you'll run into are some non-human settle like groups and settlements don't necessarily get along with others. And of course you'll run into the occasional dungeon that I've put together, which will be deadly, at least. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, Thieves Cant might actually run into one before any of the other groups. We will see. Uh oh. Remnants of the old world, we should say. Hmm. Interesting. My final question. And then we can open the floor to the others that are peeking in on the crazy. Hmm. Okay, make that two questions. Tell me more about the void and what it's kind of... You said something about it altering beings that were already here. Are you willing to talk more about that? So... Think of the void like its own living being, and the void can't necessarily manifest itself in its entirety, so it infects things other than itself that either willingly or accidentally stumble across means to do so. And once one thing is infected, it spreads kind of like a virus to other beings and slowly eats away at them some creatures and beings develop immunities to it and some creatures and beings have abnormal adaptations to it that allow them to resist some of its effects while still reaping some of the benefits but ultimately the best way to think of the void is think of the void like its own god playing with the world hmm and speaking of gods <laughs> tell me about nob Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you can't talk about me behind my back. Uh, what's up? I'm Nob. Uh, I'm kind of like, uh, the best goblin ever. Obviously. Don't even ask about my siblings. Huh, they're pathetic. And, uh, well, I gotta, I gotta say, 
Being in this world's kind of hard. I used to have all kinds of magic and do all kinds of fancy tricks. I ate a Tarrasque once. Oh man, it was delicious. But, uh, yeah, this is, it's something else. I've never had gray hairs before. <sighs> okay, okay, I'll take over. So now this, this goblin I started playing in 3.5, I kind of got, uh, beyond what you would call the, like, epic levels <laughs> and end game. He did kill a Tarrasque and he did eat it, uh, although the Tarrasque does eventually regenerate and come back. And he he has gone on many adventures, but eventually I kind of turned him into an NPC for a while when he was an NPC. He was kind of like a merchant. Like, he'd just kind of show up and be like, hey, what you want to buy? What you want to sell? I got you. I got. I can get anything you want for the right price. And uh, he doesn't necessarily sell for money or buy things with money. He He likes the more valuable things, like relics and artifacts and information but he was originally a rogue sorcerer mix that kind of went really deep into spellblade went from spellblade into full-blown like uh i think it was like time mage type stuff uh yeah he kind of went all over the place and i slowly just kept playing more and more of him and enjoying it but it was a lot of fun and so i kept him he has become a figurehead NPC in a lot of my campaigns. Uh, the, the first Tales of Invenar campaign, he was not extremely active, but he was there at key events to push things in certain ways. You could say he's kind of like the Dungeon Master Railroad without actually railroading. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I have him there for that. And I also throw him in for funny skits, uh, as you will see, or if you have seen it already, uh, in uh, our um, Envoys of the Void in a world without magic where he shows up and struggles to create a magical fireplace that, like, turns potatoes into, uh, uh, what was it, shepherd's pie. I, you can blame my wife for that because she was eating shepherd's pie the day before and made me Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's gotten to the point where now every time he pops up in a campaign, all of our players are like, oh no, it's Nob. That's not true. At Isn't least it? Alyssa likes Nob. Okay, but <laughs> Alyssa is also Alyssa. Yes. Okay, shall we open the floor to other people who want to ask questions? Excellent, we can open the floor. Uh, let's go with Rachel put you on the spot here even though you're not part of the campaign as an outside listener what do you think somehow i knew you were gonna call on me first absolutely (laughs) existentially my question was gonna be as an outside player who has little to no knowledge of the first campaign that you guys did how are you gonna make that i guess between contributing it into this campaign and having the listeners of the podcast understand what the players already know from experiencing um, the first one. So that depends on the players in the current campaign. If they pursue and push into these uh, stories or rumors they hear of their previous characters, then I can expand more on that. Uh, I'm not going to give away too much because there's no fun in that. The look on <laughs> Emma's face when I brought up Danix was beautiful. <laughs> what did you do to my baby boy? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I am um, a lot of every character from the original story 
has left their mark on the world, has done something. Uh, it is up to the players if they find it or not. I am a, a very much a dungeon master that kind of like builds the world, drops the players in the world, let, uh, like builds their backstory into it so it's more realistic, and then uh, has them live out that life there and enjoy their like enjoy being someone who's not them right because i i very much like to separate myself from my characters and become my character when i play uh, it's a good escape so and, i try to make it realistic for the players to do that and my only other question is as the dm the storyteller if you will how is running three separate groups that are all interconnected into one versus doing one larger it is a lot easier no offense but a group of 10 people is kind of difficult to manage when all of us are grown adults and have schedules and can't necessarily meet up all the time so having three groups that meet up far more frequently and i may be able to like splash in a bit of this group splash in a bit of that group to the others is nice because i can have you all make effects in the world and have that change things for other players. Whereas your timelines will be a little bit different. It's still noticeable. So like, let's say one party decides that they want to burn a city to the ground. Another party may happen to stumble across a city that is being rebuilt or that has been rebuilt that was destroyed, you know, years ago. I also am going to uh, possibly incorporate one of my other stories into being able to poof into other campaigns because that just sounds like so much fun well those were all of my questions for this evening let's move on to the lovely sarah my wonderful wife yes what questions you got for me gorgeous so do you have any nice surprises for us if say we do something either miraculous or even if we do something unmiraculous such as dying I actually do have some very good surprises for people who do die. I also have surprises. I have plan I have things set aside that may or may not happen depending on what the parties do. And if you do make them do something fantastic, I will reward the parties accordingly. Whether that be with lore, with one of the scarce and rare magical items, things like that. Okay, here's another question. Say a party member dies, what are you going to do to bring in a new character? Is it going to be the stereotypical, oh, you just run into him? Or you, like, how do you build on that, I guess, is a real question. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can do it. I could have that character hate the party, seek out to destroy the party. That's always fun, uh, putting a bad guy into the group. I could also make them go to another group or campaign, possibly. That would be fun, having letting them switch groups because their characters died, giving that other group some time alone so that they can build that relationship between the two of them or the three of them, and then bring it, and then eventually they'll get a third person or something back along the lines, or maybe they'll run a campaign of two and just make it work. Okay, and then I have two more questions. The last one is more of a joke, but this one is, are you ever going to have us as players bring in our characters from Invendar 1, at least those who are still alive. I do actually intend on that happening. Um, however, that will, most of the groups I have specifically positioned uh, my lore around having it where 
the people who are playing their current characters will most likely not run into their previous character or if they do it'll be very difficult for them to achieve said fact um but i do have intentions of let's say the party does happen to find danix it's probably not going to be thieves can't and i'll just drag emma into one of the other campaigns for a bit awesome and then my last question this one's just for pure enjoyment it's not because i'm his wife but this is something that our group finds funny is it true that you DM while naked? All the time. I don't know that. Okay. And that's all the questions I got. All right. And then, um, Katie, are you home? I will take silence. I am not the- home. I don't know how good I sound right now. I might sound terrible because I'm on my phone. You sound amazing, you sound actually. Um, Do you have questions for your dungeon master? <sighs> questions, <clears throat> questions. Oh, the things I could ask. I suppose a question for me is, I know deities were kind of touched on already, and that the Void is kind of a living thing, but is the Void itself a deity? That's a tricky question. I could say no. I could say yes. That depends on what your view of a deity is. A being that is more powerful than most of the beings that walk the Earth? Yes. A being that was born at the beginning of time or that wields um, like galactic style power? No. Okay. Deities typically in my world embody a thought or a thing. Um, the, so, in a way, you could say that it is a deity of the void. Okay. And then my other question, because I know we talked about working backstories into your story. Uh, how much do character backstories influence your game, or do you use your game to influence the backstory? Both. Um, character backstories drastically affect certain regions of my world. So, for instance, uh, if you listen to Thieves Can't, um, I we have a very deeply woven backstory for Cami and her sister, and that has influenced that part of the world. I have set certain things in motion that may come up in the future. But then again, things that the players do, like let's say they improv something that wasn't necessarily discussed in their backstory, I typically let it ride and I change things, um, which is fine, uh, especially if the backstory isn't deeply fleshed out and they just want to say, well, I have a brother or I have a sister. Um, also, like events in uh, Envoys of the Void, Aelin, Sarah can uh, agree with this, is that... Uh, I take a lot of liberty making things up as I go with her backstory when it comes to her court, because we have certain things set in place for her court, but I made uh, Alavander more like a brother than court member. So I do have things that go on, influence some of the backstories, but I also let the backstories influence the world because the play, the, the story I tell is supposed to be of heroes and heroines that are, that have an impact on the world. And it makes the players feel empowered when they make a a drastic impact on the world. But it also makes me feel good whenever I can push and drive the players to do such things. And then the last question I have, since you brought up improv, how much do you improv in sessions and how much do you plan out? I would say... 
it's a good i'd say i plan a good 70 percent of my session uh 30 percent of it on is on the fly like when Alyssa asks for a character's name a npc's name i mean i don't have it i just give her a, i come up with a name and as soon as i come up with a name i suddenly come up with a backstory for this person and what they've done their whole life so um but i've been dming for a while so when i do that i'm just like hmm and then i make changes based on that new npc that you guys ran into just in case you try to drag out the conversation a lot further than just their name okay cool well that's all i have okay well so. Emma, let's do a a open anybody else have any other questions actually i have a question presented to you from one of your current players from sam Ah, Koza. He asked, why? Just why? Because I'm an evil bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and torturing my players is fun. I reward you, right? What is, what is it? I give you the hope at the end of the tunnel so I can crush you. And I like the character development that comes from such an act. So does that mean you prefer doing evil campaigns then? No, I prefer doing fully fleshed out campaigns where if you want to be evil, you can be evil. If you want to be good, you can be good. Each action has a consequence. And regardless, I am going to break your character. And I am going to make your character more realistic by dragging out those flaws and bringing about, you know, pain and suffering and then letting you build yourself back up because that doesn't only affect you in the game it affects you as a person because if you live through these experiences as an npc if something similar happens to you in the real world you can almost say that you've experienced it before and it'll help you so you're saying that D D could have real world a hundred and fifty percent D is very therapeutic both to people who have problems and to people who have yet to have those problems. Anybody else? So going off of what you just said then, what is some of the biggest impacts that you as a DM have made in your DM's, I guess, history? That's a tough question. Uh, I would say that for me personally, D&D has helped me struggle through some real-world problems, like getting my, fush, my foot completely destroyed uh, and crushed in a hydraulic press. It's a car barricade. Um, I like to think that D&D uh, helps my players, uh, whether that helps them get something off their chest, because if they're in, their, in a bad mood and they just want to kill things, then go ahead, I'm here for you. Or if they have something that's bothering them. Hopefully I can bring some enjoyment to their life that helps either wash it away or helps them get a hold of it better. Does that answer your question? It does. Because I know personally that you probably saved a few lives doing DM, being a DM. I hope so. It would be nice. And Emma? at the very least, you've made quite a few lives a lot better. <laughs> Thank you. So with that, is there anything that you hope to possibly... What's the final message you could give to the listeners? Um, my final message to the listeners would be that sometimes this world sucks. 
Sometimes things happen that we can't control, but that doesn't mean that our lives are out of control and that we can grab hold of it. And I think that D&D is an excellent tool to help you realize that by allowing you to take hold of this virtual life, this other character, and trial through hardships and become better through it as a representation of real life. If there are no more questions... I'm going to end this off by saying, uh, man, that got really dark for a minute. Um, thank you all so much for listening to uh, Tales of Invadar, questions and answers. And uh, this is Nob signing off. Peace, bitches! Nob, get back here. <laughs> oh, shit. Run from, the t- run from the centaur! No barbs for me! <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke. Sorry. <laughs> I am a fuck. It's okay. Uh, this is where I would uh, use my Kira voice, but I technically do not have a Kira voice, so. Yes, you do. It's your customer service voice. Oh, mm. uh, and now I'm gonna put clothes on because my food's almost here. <laughs> he is naked. <laughs> I'm so glad I have that recorded. <laughs> I love that you. I'm not gonna include that in the final version, but I love that you that you asked that fucking question, sir. I don't care if you leave that. I really don't care if you leave that in the final recording. I think it'd be funny. Okay, uh, done recording. Everybody, say goodbye. Bye. 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 Cammy, you're late. Cammy, you're as usual.